All right, thank you guys for the great worship music this morning. It's uh, such a great way to begin our service, and so we're so thankful for that today. Welcome this morning. So glad you guys are here today. I hope you've had a wonderful week, and uh, I hope that this will be the beginning for you of a, of a great, glorious week. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, we want to think about the significance of life. Now, I know that this is a Sunday that typically we honor, celebrate, recognize uh, the sanctity of life. We're going to do that certainly. There's an insert in your bulletin that uh, will give you a practical way that you can celebrate life. And that's through the work of the care center, the great ministry that they do there and the lives that they impact and affect to have uh, have great value to God, and the work that's done there has great value to God and His kingdom as well. Uh, there's some information about what the care center does, as well as the opportunities that are available for you to be able to serve in the, at the care center uh, if you uh, choose to do that and invest yourself in that way. You can do that. I want to start uh, and kind of come into our topic today a little bit from the side. I, I want to uh, you, you hold on in Genesis chapter 1, we'll get there, but uh, I was reading this week in the book of Jeremiah, and uh, in Jeremiah chapter 30 especially, and I saw in Jeremiah chapter 30, uh, excuse me, <coughs> a verse of scripture uh, that uh, really began to challenge uh, my mind and thoughts about where we are today as Christians, the challenges that we face in the culture that, that we're living in today. You know, God hadn't called us to be silent Christians. He hadn't called us to cover our faith, but He's really called us to let our faith shine. And so if we're going to do that, then we have to acknowledge and be honest with ourselves about uh, where we're living and the times we're living in and how are we going to uh, persevere through that. And God spoke to Israel uh, in, uh, through Jeremiah and he was speaking to a nation that was being persecuted by all of its neighbors around it. And so all of the enemies of Israel were kind of converging on Israel and they were persecuting Israel. And God said something through Jeremiah uh, that ought to encourage you and I today as well. Uh, because God spoke to his people as they were being persecuted as well. And he says uh, essentially in, in Jeremiah 30, a few verses, that... Those that persecute you, I'll, I'll repay them in kind. In other words, whatever they do to you, I'll do to them. And, and so he reminded uh, them through Jeremiah, he says, If they plunder you, I'll plunder them. If they prey on you, then I'll prey on them. And then he goes on in uh, verse uh, 17 in chapter 30, And God promises to heal his people. Uh, in spite of the persecution or after the persecution, he'll heal his people. He says, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion. No one seeks her. God's promise to Israel is, he said, I will heal you and I'll heal your wounds, says the Lord. Whatever persecution inflicts on you, I'll take care of it. I'll heal that. But he goes on to say at, at the end of this verse, he says, Because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, no one seeks her. In other words, the 
Culture today has a way of saying to Christians that you just don't belong here. I mean, you, you, just, you don't have a place here anymore. That we've moved on past those old ways. And now you don't have a place here. You know, our persecution comes from that idea, doesn't it? Christians, Christianity, the Bible's irrelevant. Doesn't have a place anymore in our society. And he goes on and says that, that this is Zion. No one seeks her. In other words, that you're, you're just wasting your time. Are you? is, that, is that how the world makes you feel sometimes? I mean, be honest. You know, we just sometimes be nice just to be able to step back. Not associate with the world. Because so often it makes us feel like we're wasting our time. Listen, that's the farthest thing from the truth because that's what the enemy was saying to Israel. That's what their persecutors were saying to Israel. Now look, if we're going to weather this storm as Christians, we've got to be strong in our foundation. We've got to be tied to our foundation in a strong way. Else we're not going to make it. And that foundation for the believer is the Word of God. It's those promises and principles in the, in the Bible that bind us in a relationship with Jesus Christ, who is our foundation. So we have to know what we believe. We have to not only know what we believe, but we have to be able to explain what we believe. It's what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, remember 15, where he says, Be ready to give an answer. He says, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always be ready to give an answer. In other words, a defense. So we have to be tied to our foundation. But we have to be able to explain what we believe. And, and in doing so, certainly one of those areas that we need to be tied to or we need to understand is life. About life. Now... There's always a debate about what's more valuable in our society today. And then, oh, it goes on and on and on. It's in every area of our life. It's in sports, who's more valuable than who. It's in economics, gold's more valuable than what. And it goes on and on and on. The people assigning value to things. And, and listen, it doesn't stop with those things, commodities, Things, but it really is is embedded in culture's discussion of life. Now, you go out into the culture today and you say, "Well, listen, what's what's what life is important?" You get all kinds of responses. Some will say, "Young life is more valuable than old life." I used to think that way. <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, some say healthy life is more valuable than unhealthy life. Uh, some people have the idea one color is more valuable than another color. Or, or that a wealthy life is, is more valuable than a poor life. We heard that just a couple of days ago. One of the leading sports commentators in, in our culture today said that, hey, all the athletes ought to get the COVID virus shot first because they pay more taxes. So, you get all kinds of answers, but the sum will say any life is more valuable than unborn life. 
And yet God calls us to defend the weak and those who can't speak on their own behalf. And so, how do we know that life is special? Well, we, we, we turn to the Bible because the truth is, is in Scripture. Listen to what Genesis says, beginning at chapter 1. And I want to start at verse 26 and share some things with you about, about life. And about the specialness of life, because it really is. And uh, the best place to begin about understanding anything is at the beginning. And so we'll go to the beginning and, and what God speaks about life in uh, what's first recorded in Scripture. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle and over the earth, and over the creeping things that creep on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the air. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see I have given you every herb that uh, yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for your food. Also to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to every thing that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And thus the heaven and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Bow with me if you will and let's pray. Father, we're so grateful and thankful to you today that you um, help us to understand uh, the most important things, what is truly uh, of great worth. And Lord, we understand that it certainly is life. And Father, we just pray that uh, you'll confirm in our hearts and Lord, just increase our faith in what we know and understand about you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you begin to see what uh, Genesis says about the specialness of, of life, it's uh, amazing how uh, God reveals His creative acts to us. You know, one of the things that He reveals to us in these passages of Scripture is that uh, when it comes to the specialness of life, uh, that uh, there's a special beginning for man, isn't there? I mean, man had a kind of an incredible start, an incredible beginning. And so the scripture really defines that. And because of that, what God has invested in creating man ought to help you and I to realize how, how valuable every day of our life is. How important it is to him. How important it is to his work here and his kingdom work. And then we ought to really invest ourselves into living for him. One of the things that he says about 
this special beginning that man has. If you look at verse 26, first part of it, we're created by God. That's pretty special, isn't it? When you think about the God of the universe chose, designed, uh, and then acted, performed on his own will to create us, it's pretty amazing to know that God's special hand, his special blessing was on the creation of man. Uh, it's really unique. Man's creation is unique. Adam, listen, was created from dust. There's no other thing. You can read the rest of the creation, how he created uh, the land, the sea, the vegetation on the sea, the things that are on earth, the animals, the fish, the birds, all those things. And there's not one other creation like man. That he took dust of the earth, that he formed it and shaped it into Adam, and then he breathed life into it. But he didn't stop there in creating humanity. You know, if we would have read a little bit further, we'd have saw how he created Eve. How that he took a rib from Adam after he put him to sleep, created Eve. And now all of a sudden we have Adam and Eve. You see, it's special. Uh, He says in verse 26, he says, Then God said, Let us. You know, some critics of the Bible look at that and say, well, wait a minute, why, why does the Bible use a, a plural pronoun for God, us? Is there more than one God? No, we believe in one God. Uh, it's a reference to the work of God and the, the Trinity of God working in creation. It's, not, it's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's working creation. Now, that's not the only place in creation that we see this very same thing happening, but but... God is active, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in salvation. Not only giving physical life, but giving spiritual life. You know, an old preacher one time said about that very thought, about how the Trinity is involved in in salvation. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, hey, listen, God the Father thought it. God the Son, Jesus, uh, bought it. And God the Spirit brought it. And so that's God working in salvation. It's God working in creation. And so it's unique and it's special. So when we think about life, that's, that's, and when we, listen, when we have the tendency to want to devalue someone else's life, remember, that's something God created. So he created man. Another thing that you'll notice with me, if you would, that God created in his image, that we're created in God's image. It's not just something different, but we're created in God's image. He says, let us create man in our image. And when you begin to think about that, well, what in the world is, is, is Scripture talking about? Is that we, we have attributes of God that no other creature that God created has. That there's things about human beings that no other created uh, creature has it's not evolution it's creation God created us that way uh, and so we have to affirm that and, and realize that in our lives man possesses these attributes of God one of the things that man uh, possesses is self-awareness is that we have a sense of knowing ourselves knowing that we exist it's, we, we, have, we have this thing not only of self-awareness, but we have this thing about free will, right? Uh, you, you read about that just in the next chapter, in chapter 3, about where Adam and Eve exercised their free will. Uh, 
God created us with the capacity to choose. God didn't make us all one way, all to love Him and be robotic in our love for Him. But He created us in a way that we, we can choose to love Him. And we can make those decisions. It's unique in, in, in our creation. Another thing that we have that no other creature has is the ability to reason morally. You know, there's just some things in, 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 about humanity that we know that are right or, uh, and wrong. We're just born with that in us. It's, it's a thing that people call our conscience. The Bible does. And, and I know that we can get hard-hearted. I know that we can get indifferent and callous. Uh, I know that we can uh, uh, lose that sense of morality. But listen, for the most part, we know what's right and wrong. And so we're, we're created with that, unlike any other uh, creation that God's created. We have the capacity not only uh, to uh, reason morally, but intellectually as well. Uh, you know, we, we can choose and think and create. You say, well, what about the animals, Brother Mike? Don't they do that? Listen, the animals operate out of instinct. God's put in the animal life instinct. You know, a squirrel knows to go gather nuts in the summertime because he's going to need them in the wintertime. How does he know that? It's his instinct to do that. He knows how to pile a bunch of leaves together and get in that. It's his instinct to do that. But you'll never see a squirrel out sawing some wood and hammering it together and building him a squirrel house. He only does what his instincts and God's programmed in him to do. Now listen, in nature, there's some pretty amazing things that animals are able to do. It just kind of blows your mind. But that capacity or that thought process is instinct. Where God invested in human beings the ability to reason and create and do beautiful, incredible things. And so all these things are investments that God's made in us. He is, we're the only ones that he's made that way. That through, and, and, and listen, we're the only creature that he's chosen that through a new birth that we can know God. Through a man through his body knows his world around him. Through his soul he knows the world inside him. But when his dead spirit is given new life by Jesus Christ, then he knows the God who created him. And it's different. And so God said, let us create man in our own image. And, 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 and he did. Uh, another thing about his special creation is that uh, man is created with eternity. Uh, when, if you read a little bit further, verse 27, he repeats himself again. Said it in verse 26, repeats it in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Well, listen, in that creation, if you look over in chapter 2, verse 7, it talks about how that he formed Adam from the dust of the earth and how he breathed into Adam this breath of life. And he gave him life. He says, and, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. There's something about man that God has done uh, that uh, is, is a gift of eternity. Uh, Solomon 
echoed the same thing in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 when he said this. Verse 11, he says, he has, everything, he, he has made everything beautiful in his time and has put eternity in their hearts. What are they talking about? You say, Brother Mike, I thought the only people that lived for eternity were those who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The only ones who live for eternity in heaven are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible talks about those who are separated from Christ. They're eternal beings in the sense that they'll live forever. But they'll live forever, dying in this life physically, rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they'll live eternally separated from Him. The Bible says outer darkness, hell, death, the second death. It's described so many ways in Scripture. But yet still, there's that essence of eternity. So he creates us that way. Um, verse 27. The end, he creates us male and female. Uh, the Bible says in verse uh, 28. Um, <laughs> excuse me, verse uh, uh, 27. He says he created him male and female. He created them. Uh, listen, uh, gender assignment, it's not multiple choice. Okay. And it's not up to you and I to make that choice. Now, as arrogant as humanity wants to get and say, I have the right to be whoever I want to be. I have the right to be whatever I want to be. No matter what God says, no matter what anybody says, I will be the me that I want to be. Let me tell you, there are some things that no matter how hard you want them to change, you can't change. You know, I could say, hey, I want to be born in 1850. I'm going to be born in 1850. Listen, God chose for me to be born in the time that I live in. The generation that you and I live in, the place that we live in, God has chosen that for us. And that's something that no matter how much we want to change it, we can't. But what we need to do is trust Him. And to live out those things that God has prepared for us. Jeremiah says, or God says about Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You see, before God created Jeremiah, he knew he was going to be Jeremiah. Uh, Psalms, the writer of Psalms uh, 139 says this, he says, It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, the scripture tells us that that, that those decisions are God's. And so he creates us uh, for himself and for his pleasure. And so kind of special, isn't it? So now when you look and say, well, who am I? Well, I'm somebody that had a special beginning because you have. Uh, Another thing that scripture tells us about the specialness of life is that uh, there's a special blessing for man. Not only a special beginning, but a special blessing. Uh, and, And he writes about that as well. And that's important for you and I to know about life is that we're created with purpose. We have a reason. God didn't randomly say, hey, I want to scatter these human beings out on earth and that's it. You know, let them go and, and uh, you know, kind of figure it all out. He didn't do that. God is actively working in our lives to guide us into and to perpetuate in us his purpose for us. I mean, he's shaping us. 
He's working in us. You're not everything that God wants you to be yet. But you're going to get there. I'm going to get there. His promise in Scripture is that He has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day or the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So He will not give up on you. He's constantly working in you. And He's working in you for a purpose. For a reason. If you're a child of God today, His reason, His purpose for you, and His working in you are all going in the same direction, and they're going in the direction of conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says we're predestined for that. And so there's purpose to it. Verse 28 says a little bit about that. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the air. That's purpose, isn't it? I mean, he said, I created you. And and I created you for a purpose. And so he talks about that. Be fruitful and multiply. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Just fill up the earth with people just like you. Uh, You know, we've gotten pretty proficient at that. So that's okay. But but then he goes on and and, and he says, subdue or subdue the earth. And and the idea here isn't to, to dominate it. It's to make it usable. It's so that we can draw our needs from it. It's to till the soil, plant the seed, raise the crops, tame the animals, all those kind of things in order that that life can be productive for us. God wants you and I to be producers. Not only in the physical world, but also in in His kingdom work as well as Christians. He has those same expectations. He wants us, just like we go out and sow seed for a garden and and we, we, we take the fruit and the crop from it, He wants us to go out and sow the seeds of the gospel. And witness to people and bring in harvest. It's principles that work not only in the natural world, but also in the spiritual world as well. And so we do that. And, and so we subdue it. And we have dominion over it. In other words, we organize it and we take care of it. That's what God's calling us to do. Uh, and, that, and listen, that, that just screams with purpose, doesn't it? You've got a reason for being here. It's not to float through life. You know, or, 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 or casually go about things. I remember as a, as a young person, I, I just, you know, hey, I didn't have a lot of direction. I just kind of floated through life for a long time. Uh, and so God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to have purpose. And not only that, but we're created and blessed. Verse 29 talks about how he meets every need. He says, I put all these plants in there. I put all these things out there. All these fruits were given to you for your own use and for your own needs. So he blesses us as well in those things. And so certainly, as human beings, we have a special blessing. God has a special blessing for humanity. But then finally, let me encourage you with this one last thing. Is that there's a special belonging of man. In other words, we have a sense of connection with God. Uh, We we have a, a sense of... Of, of knowing and relating to him. And there's some reason for that. First of all, if you look at verse 31, there's the, the, the competency of God. Uh, God is, is competent in what he does. In other words, he's capable. Uh, uh, we're connected to him because we need him. And God is able to meet our needs. Uh, verse 31 says this, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. You see, that's competency, isn't it? 
that God made something, looks at it, examines it, and he says, that's very good. You know, up until then, he'd said on the first day, this is good, this is good, this is good. But when he gets to the end and after man's creation, he said, you know what? This is very good. Very good. Why? Because God is adequate. He's competent. He can meet our needs because he's, he's God. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that you and I face. There's no pain or disappointment or sin or failure that you and I have ever experienced in our lives that God isn't willing and able to meet us there and give us victory over those things. And that connects us to God. Our need connects us to His supply. Well, another thing about belonging as well is is that sense of completion. The completion of God. God finished what He started with creation, didn't He? Look at uh, verse 2, I mean chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And that's the testimony of, 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 of being finished, isn't it? That, that what God starts, He, he finishes. And, and that, that really connects us to God in a sense, or gives us a sense of belonging, is because we're not finished. And we need His work to complete that, that work in us. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good work. Now, that, that, I've shared this with you before. That word workmanship means masterpiece. You ever thought about that you're a masterpiece? Right? You ever, you know, how about, I don't know, maybe the Mona Lisa or some other great work of art. that that's a, You can look at it now and say, boy, that's a masterpiece. But you know, it wasn't always that way. I, I mean, when she was being painted, there was that unfinished work. Didn't really know how it was going to turn out. Didn't really know how lovely it was going to be until it was finished. And when it was finished, it, it became the masterpiece that you and I can look at today and marvel over. That's what God's doing in our lives. Each one of us are His masterpiece. And He's going to complete that work. And, and then finally, in, in, in verse 3 of chapter 2, there's a sense of celebration, the celebration of God. You see, one of the things that connects us to God or causes, helps us to understand our belongings is when we celebrate Him. There's something about worship and something about praising God that will connect us to God like no other thing we do. And it doesn't matter the timing of it. It can be spontaneous. It can be in the car driving down the road. And all of a sudden we're overwhelmed with a need to worship God. It can be in a conversation that we're having with somebody else. And all of a sudden we're just overwhelmed with this need to worship Him and affirm Him and testify about Him. It can be in the secret place of our home or somewhere outside where no one's listening. And we just are overwhelmed by the Spirit of God to worship worship Him, and to celebrate Him. It can be the time that we set aside to come here to Garrison Baptist Church on a Sunday morning 
and worship him. Verse 3 says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because it was because in it he rested from all of his all of his work which God had created and made. So it's a time of resting and celebrating God. And that's really what God has called us to do is to know that we belong to him. You know, one of the comforts that I've always had as a believer about knowing that I belong to God is that, I, you know, I've got a lot of stuff that, that belonged to me or belonged to Jackie that we've lost. Have you ever lost anything that belongs to you? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it depends on what it is, but sometimes it can be kind of fanatical, frustrating, I mean, uh, uh, heart-wrenching to lose something. But I'll tell you what, if, you, if we belong to God, we're never lost. He knows where we are. And we can take comfort in that very thing. You see, as we look at Scripture and build our foundation and tie ourselves to that foundation of truth, no matter what the subject or the issue is in the culture that we're standing in, today it's life. Tomorrow will be something else. But we're always confronted with opposition and resistance. But if we're, if we're hanging on to the truth of God's Word, if we know what we believe because we've found it in the Scripture and studied it in the Scripture, then we'll be connected to that foundation. We'll be able to give an answer to the world. And so when we go out in these next few days and weeks, life is going to be a topic of discussion. Our reaction to other people's lives are going to be a testimony of who we are. How we treat other people is going to testify of do we love Jesus Christ? And so the challenge this morning is to think about how valuable life is, to respect it, even though you may not always agree with it, (laughs) to honor it, even though you may be on the opposite ends of certain things. For God created man in his own image. And we acknowledge that as Christians. Because that's one of those truths that we're tied to. Bow with me if you would this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful today. That creation is, is, is incredible. That we have had an unbelievable beginning. God, you've created us uniquely and special. All life. Father, where no matter what stage that life is in, has eternal value. But has redemptive value. Else why would you come to this earth? Why would you love the world in such a way that you would give your only son? If life isn't important, then how can we understand that you demonstrated your love and that while we were sinners, you died for us? It must be, must be a great value. Lord, help us to treat it that way. Our own life personally, people around us. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you.